Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we're continuing our study on end times. And last week we talked about the Battle of Armageddon, but there's probably a question in the back of many people's minds, and that is, what are Christians doing during this time? Christians during our time When they get taken up in the rapture, during the tribulation and all of that, what are we going to be doing? Are we going to be sitting up in heaven looking down as something and uh, watching all of the events take place? Are we going to be um, up there doing something? Um, what, What are we going to be doing? There are generally two things that we're going to be very busy with during the tribulation. Those two things are the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb, which comes uh, during the tribulation as well. And uh, those two things take up a lot of our time. Now, the judgment seat of Christ, a lot of times when we think of the judgments of Christ, we think of condemnation. Whereas the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment for condemnation, but is a judgment for rewards. Um, I found a very good write-up, and there's no use in reinventing the wheel, and I don't have the number one answer for everything. Uh, This write-up is from gotquestions.org, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, uh, question, what is the judgment seat of Christ? Answer, scripture gives us a reason not to judge one another, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. That's in Romans 14, second half of verse 10 through 12. None of us are qualified to be the judge. Only the Lord Jesus is qualified, and all judgment has been entrusted to him, John 5, 22. We will all stand someday before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ involves a time in the future when believers will give an account of themselves to Christ. Now, this is an important point here. The judgment seat of Christ is only for believers, just like In a few weeks, we're going to be talking about another judgment that is not for believers at all. But this one is only for believers. Continuing, this is the plain teaching of Scripture. Quote, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10 The warning is to Christians, not believers. Remember, 2 Corinthians, just like 1 Corinthians, was written to the church of Corinth. It wasn't written to believers or unbelievers in general. It's written to the church of Corinth. Um, As Jesus taught in his parable, the king is going to return, at which time he will require an account from his servants, Luke 19, 11 through 26. The judgment seat of Christ is different from the great white throne judgment. That will be the final judgment of the wicked prior to their being cast into the lake of fire, Revelation 20, 11-15. Appearing before the great white throne will be unbelievers, 
believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll deal with that a little bit more when we get to the great white throne, as I already alluded to earlier. The judgment seat of Christ does not determine our salvation. It's important. That matter was settled by Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, 1 John 2.2, 2, and our faith in him, John 3.16. All our sins are forgiven, and there is, quote, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, end quote, Romans 8.1. Jesus said, quote, Very truly I tell you, whoever bears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life, end quote. And that's John 5, 24. So, believers are secure in Christ, but they still must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It will be a time of examination and a time of reward. Jesus will inspect our works. What did we do with the Um, with the resources God gave us? How faithful were we? Were we yielded to the Spirit, seeking to honor Christ and further His work in the world? If so, we will have reward. See Matthew 10, 41 and 42. Did we neglect our opportunities to serve the Lord? If so, we will suffer loss of reward. Paul likens our Christian service to erecting a building. And this is a quote from 1 Corinthians 3, the second half of verse 10 through verse 15. Each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been done survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Note in the above passage that our works subsequent to Christ's salvation are of two different types, good and bad. The fire of God's scrutiny scrutiny will reveal the quality of our works. As Arthur Pink points out, gold, silver, precious stones are of intrinsic value, whereas wood, hay, and stubble are a natural growth. And that's found in the Redeemer's Return, chapter 8.5. Rewards are distributed to those whose works withstand the test. Those whose works have a natural source will suffer loss. Their works will be burned up, but they themselves will be saved. The judgment seat of Christ, then, does not confer or rescind salvation. The judgment seat of Christ is also not a time to punish sin. Jesus took our punishment once and for all. The judgment seat of Christ is a time when we will be called on to report, to render an accounting of what we did for Jesus, kind of like the parables of the talents. It will be a serious and necessary time of reckoning, but as God's redeemed, we will never be condemned with the wicked. As one theologian put it, 
it cannot be too strongly emphasized that the judgment is unrelated to the problem of sin, that it is more for the bestowing of rewards than for than the rejection of failure. And that's from Lewis Sperry Schaefer in his Systematic Theology, Volume 4, Ecclesiology and Eschatology, um, page 406. In the Greek, a single word is used for judgment seat. In Romans 14.10 and 2 Corinthians 5.10, the word is bema. A bema was a raised platform on which judges sat to view athletic games. Their job was to make sure contestants followed the rules and to present re- awards to the victors. See 1 Corinthians 9.24-27. The Bema was never a place to reprimand the athletes or to punish them in any way. It was a place of testing and reward. In the same way, the Bema of Christ, or Judgment Seat of Christ, will not be a place of condemnation or censure. In anticipation of the Judgment Seat of Christ, we are careful in what we say and do in this life. James gives this advice, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. James 2.12 We want to give our account with joy on that day. And that is why we strive to serve the Lord faithfully today. The Bible speaks of believers receiving crowns for different things. The various crowns are described in 2 Timothy 2.5, 2 Timothy 4.8, James 1.12, 1 Peter 5.4, and Revelation 2.10. We believe the judgment seat of Christ is when the crowns will be awarded. And this will take place in heaven soon after the rapture of the church, as described in 1 Thessalonians 4.13-18. At the very end of the Bible, Jesus said, Quote, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. End quote. Rome, uh, Revelation 22, 12. In preparation for the judgment seat of Christ, what are you choosing to build with? Gold, silver, and precious stones, things that will last? Or wood, hay, and straw, things that will not stand the day of testing? And so there we have a really good write-up of what the judgment seat of Christ is all about. And that is what is going to be happening for believers, as they said, shortly after the rapture. That is going to be taking place. So are we going to be just peering over the clouds and watching what's going on down in on the earth? No, we're going to be a lot more busy than that. We're not just going to be up there bored or... You know, covering our mouth. <gasps> Did you see that? Um, it's going to be more of focusing on while God's wrath and judgment is being poured on those who have rejected him, we're focused on the rewards that he is giving us for what we have done in this life. And whether we have... Um, whether we receive those rewards or not. And I would suggest that you look up those places and see what those rewards are all about. Now, there's another thing that takes place in heaven, and that is the marriage supper of the Lamb. We find this in Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 10. 
Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, there's not a whole lot about the marriage supper of the Lamb there, except we do have from the Jewish tradition what the marriage supper was all about. And we even see Jesus' first miracle was done at a marriage supper. And so that's very interesting. The marriage supper... Um, took place, it was kind of a feast, really, uh, more than just what we would think of as a supper. It was a feast, and it was over many days, uh, often a week or more. And uh, that's really interesting because the, the um, tribulation is a week of years. And uh, is that really what we're focusing on up there? We get the rewards and then this huge celebration with Jesus of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Could very well be. And uh, in that time, we as believers in Christ, which are called time and time again the bride of Christ throughout Scripture, will be united with Him and will become one with Him, just as a husband and a wife here on earth become one uh, with each other. And even if you take a look at the famous passage about marriage in Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about roles of husbands and wives and how they should treat each other and such, um, at the end of that passage, he says, this is all well and good, but I'm really speaking of Christ and the church. That's where the real marriage comes. That's where the real submission of us to Christ comes. That's the picture And that's where Christ has already laid his life down for us, just as we men should do for our brides. Um, And and it's all because of Christ in the church. And so this marriage supper is a wonderful celebration. This is going to be the best party. If you're a believer, this is going to be the best party you've ever attended. No, people are not going to be up there getting smashed. But this is going to be way better than being smashed out of your mind because you're going to have all of your faculties and you're going to be able to enjoy every minute of it and savor that time. There's, it doesn't say a whole lot about what will happen other than, like we said, the, tra- the traditions that we have of the marriage supper. And it's interesting as we think about the rapture, right before the marriage in the marriage supper was when the bridegroom's father would say to the bridegroom, when it is time, he would choose and he would say, go get your bride. It's time. Then he would go get his bride 
and then they would cons- they would start to have the marriage ceremony and the marriage feast and the marriage supper all then well what is what is happening right now jesus has gone to prepare a place for us as he said in john and He says, I will return, but he also reiterated that no man knows the day or the hour, only the Father, because the Father is going to send Jesus as the bridegroom to come get his bride. Another indication of the rapture of the church. And he will come get his bride and take us up. And what will happen? Rewards and marriage supper of the Lamb. And that is going to be an amazing time. Thank you for tuning in. We'll continue this discussion next week on Freedom Fridays. (music) 